Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. Uh, Dan here from the Square Ball. Phil Hay from The Athletic. And Phil, we'll get straight into it then. Uh, this is the show where we review the weekend's action. But once again, we're in a situation where the football almost feels secondary to all the other stuff that's going on around it. And where do we even start? Hello, Daniel. Um, yes, it felt like that actually against Shrewsbury last week. And I know it was only the League Cup, so it was never going to get the same sort of looking as a as a championship game. But there was so much going on around about that game with Max Ahrens and, and Rodon, Willie Nonto as well. The, the, the football was a little bit of a little bit of a, a sideshow, which I think is harder to say about Birmingham away because the, the league games clearly have much more riding on them. But I think the fact that at the start of the game against Birmingham, you had the chance against Nonto from the away end told you that, that there's almost far more focus at the moment on what isn't on the pitch than than what is. It wasn't a great game. Um, I think that's been kind. There were parts of it that were Dreadful, I sort of said at, at half time, it was kind of like a stone cold nil niller. That I mean, it was it, it, as close, I think, to nil nil as I've seen for, for a long time on the basis that neither side really seemed to be creating very much. But Birmingham had a little bit of, I think, extra quality in Dembele on the left, who started to give Ailing a harder and harder time. They had the, the header from the corner that, that should have been scored, the late penalty, which I think definitely was a penalty. I suspect they'll probably feel that they did enough to edge the game. I don't think Leeds did enough to, to edge the game. But all round, you know, a, a fairly poor contest and not an irrelevance, but, you know, hard to, to find a look in the conversations about what else is going on at Ellen Road. Because the first thing you looked at was how weak the lineup is relative to what we've seen over the last few years. Weakest lineup in a number of years, do you think that one? I think so. And I just don't think that's a team that's likely to get you much from a championship game week to week. That was the general feeling in the press box was looking at particularly the front four. There was very little chance of, of numerous goals from that. I think there's a difference as well between saying that, you know, a team isn't exactly as Farker would like it to be and saying that it's a lineup that he would just not want to be fielding. A weird scenario where you've gone from having so many wingers, almost more wingers than you needed, to, to needing to play Jamie Shackleton on the right. But that was indicative of what was going on. In fact, the fact that Nonto wasn't at Birmingham, we knew from the statement on Friday night from Leeds that he wouldn't because he'd asked not to travel. The fact that Sinistera wasn't involved either this all compounding the injuries that, that Fark is having to deal with. And I do feel sorry for him at the moment. He is, I like him as a coach. I think he will try to do the right things. His hands are definitely tied when it comes to resources. But it's also apparent that the club don't have an, as much control over the transfer market as they would have wanted this summer. Nothing like it. And more than anything, I think the conversation is coming back to the, the release clauses in various contracts, which are you know making it easy for players to leave. And I think perhaps the bigger picture, the fact that it's becoming more and more clear that so many players do want to leave. You know, there was a lot of chat at the start of the summer and I know that the phrase aggressive transfer window is getting repeated time and time again. On the one hand, you take that to, to mean, you know, aggression when it comes to investing in new players. But without a doubt, 
part of the strategy of the 49ers um, and, and the new ownership team at Leeds was to be aggressive with retentions. You know, the idea that they might be able to persuade Tyler Adams to stay. They might be able to persuade Jack Harrison to stay, that, that Willie Nonto might want to be involved this season. You know, people like Sinistera. As time goes on, it seems more and more apparent that these players want to leave. And, and quite frankly, the majority do. Thing is as well, Phil, they did the, the puff piece in the Daily Mail, which in my opinion clearly came from within the club, in which uh, they were talking about the research that the 49ers had commissioned this summer, which highlighted retentions. And now we're a couple of weeks further down the line and there have, have essentially been no retentions and those that are still here apparently don't want to be. So that's starting to look a little bit foolish, isn't it? As well as allowing that that phrase aggressive window to seed. It looks like a, a lack of leadership at this stage. Do you agree? Well, the, it's not unusual for players in the Premier League to have exit clauses. And, and my understanding with these loan clauses, essentially which allow players to go if somebody else, some other club offers to cover their salary for the entire season, they're entitled to take that move and, and to leave. And Max Verber, a very good example of that. And I think an example of what I was talking about there, you know, the, the message coming from him that, yeah, actually he was quite happy to stay and, and he might stick around. But then a bid drops from Gladbach and he's gone. You know, he says, no, actually, I want to, to take that. And and you can only surmise that in his head, it was always the intention to go. He was, he was just making the right noises. The issue with these loan clauses is that, if you genuinely have players who want to stick around, they're not a problem because even if clubs try to activate it, the players you know, have the decision ultimately about whether they want to go. But if you find yourself in a position, and this is where Leeds are, where actually the majority do want to leave, you're badly exposed to a scenario where late in the window, Tyler Adams is leaving, Jack Harrison's leaving, Willie Nonto's trying to get out the door, although Nonto doesn't have a release clause, which I think is why we saw him down tools last week and say, I want to go, because if he is going to go, he's going to have to, to some degree, force his way out. But the squad doesn't look anywhere near strong enough at the moment. And everybody must have known that these clauses were there. You know, they've been in the contracts. And my understanding is that the reason they were agreed um, and the reason they were negotiated was because Leeds were asking new signings to accept substantial wage reductions if they went down into the championship, you know, 50, 60 percent wage cuts. And as a bit of a make weight, I guess a, a bit of a concession to them in accepting those wage reductions, they were told, but there will be provision that allows you to, to move on. The thing that we frustrate people is that the amount of money brought in via transfer fees this summer, and more specifically when it comes to financial fair play, the amount of profit made is absolutely negligible. And it's very hard not to look at Southampton as an example, but also Leicester. And it's not as if everything's perfect at either of those clubs, but it's hard not to look at them and see the cash that has come in for various players. You know, Lavia, the latest, who looks like he might pull in profit of close to, to £50 million for Southampton. And to feel that that enhances their chances in, in a way that Leeds just can't do at the moment. Well, Southampton's going to be to the tune of, what, £90 million for FFP profit? Uh, it's going to be seventy million for for Barnes and Madison Leicester. So they've they've both sorted out their finances in one fell swoop. And meanwhile, we're just giving everybody away for free. And you know, when, you, when, when they gave away all these clauses, Phil, what do they think was going to happen? Well, it is is the point. I mean, I, I'd be a little bit wary of saying that it sorts Southampton and Leicester out. I mean, it, it can't do any harm, and in Southampton's case in particular, it, it must help in a big way. But it's not as if they won't have um, financial liabilities and, and other things coming down. But the fact remains they are pulling in substantial fees for players who are clearly worth a lot of money and, and who they're able to, um, you know, to, to make good profit on. And I'm the same with you. I think it does beg the question of, did people think that they would never have to confront these 
clauses because they would never go down. Did they plan enough for this summer for the eventuality that somebody like Adams Harrison, you know, at, at very late notice says, no, actually, I, I want to go, you know, because that's what's, you know, essentially what's happened with, with Harrison. And I think, whereas with some of the other players, you, you they will probably take a lot of criticism for this. I think with Harrison, even though there'll be annoyance about the fact that he's gone, I, I think you can look at him and say that he has done a good shift for Leeds over the years and was a, a big part of that, that promotion team. But it, it seems to me, looking at it now, that it would have made much more sense to have been clear several weeks ago about who was minded to stay, who was minded to leave, and, and you know, to ask the players to be absolutely up front so that you know where you stand. Well, they gave Harrison a new contract, what, a matter of only months ago, and they put a relegation release clause in it and a loan release clause in it when we were gurgling around the plug hole already, which looks like an absolute masterstroke. I think, though, for somebody like Harrison, it would be very hard to have convinced him to have agreed to a new contract if there wasn't some sort of relegation provision in there. I think you have to see that from his point of view. And, and if you're asking for commitment from Harrison, I think you have to take into account what happened on deadline day when he was sent to Leicester and looked like he was going to get sold, even though he wasn't particularly asking for that move. And even though it wasn't his his decision, you know, that was kind of club politics behind that. So to an extent, while my personal view is that it's not a good look the way in which players take a club down and then desert en masse. You, you can't say that over the past couple of years, the club have been running away or have performed in a way which would encourage people to stick around. But I do, I genuinely do think there's there's something to be said about the way in which so many people seem to be failing upwards. It's not great. I think you nailed it earlier on, actually, when you said they've completely given up control of the market by allowing this to happen or creating a situation where you are giving players the ability to essentially walk away for a year for nothing and then torch your own chances of bringing in money to fund a rebuild and pay for players. Um, yeah. We're in a bit of a tight spot, really, aren't we? And it looks like incredibly, incredibly bad forward planning. But it's not even as as basic as that. You have the added concern that very few of these players have appreciated in value. Um, if truth be told, they've probably lost value on what Leeds actually paid for them. So there are actually instances where it suits Leeds for them to go on loan because they don't have to take a loss, which will affect the FFP position. But but that's a damning indictment of recruitment, isn't it? You know, the, the fact that it suits to go on loan because you're going to lose money on a player. Ideally, when you, you make a signing, particularly in the market that Leeds were always in, you know, where they were trying to sign more up-and-coming players didn't really go for the finished article. The idea there always has to be that they appreciate, they improve, and that, you know, at some stage further down the line, you can cash in in, in a really big way. But, the uh, you know, I've, I've said before, the, the players who would earn the money are weirdly the players that they don't want to lose. You know, the players that they, they would consider selling and, and that can go, Brendan Aronson being a, a good example, it would be a struggle to get your money back on him, which which doesn't help you um, for FFP. So they're not in a they're not in a good position. You know they're not in a strong position with this. It's become a problem, and they've got a hell of a lot to do over the next two weeks. And I find myself thinking more and more that this is starting to look like you know a sort of minimum two year project to get out of the championship because it's asking a hell of a lot of Fark um, Farker to pick this up and to you know to make a, a promotion winning team out of it. Worth just saying as well though that players' transfer values, you have to deduct those for FFP each year. So we will have to deduct £5 million or thereabouts for Brendan Aronson this year, regardless, because that's what we've paid out in his transfer fee, you know, £25 million, let's say, over five years. So there's still a deduction. It's just a case of whether you take that deduction on the chin or you maybe have a slightly higher deduction that's baked in forever by selling him at a loss. So we make a, a loss, if you like, on him either way. And that's, yeah, that's just yeah. to say, well, not to confuse 
cash with FFP because the two are very, very different. I think that's fair to say. And I don't think it's that the 49ers group are short of cash. I think the situation they're in is meaning that when it comes to, I mean, you've seen that from the, the £7 million on Ampadu, the fact they were going to do Max Aaron's and that was at the at the medical stage. But there is a difference between the money you have and what you can actually do within your your um, FFP PNS limits. Some of this becomes quite intangible because in order to work out what, if we use Aronson as an example, what's best to do with him, depends entirely on what you're getting offered. You know, so that is totally dictated by who is presenting what in terms of a, a permanent fee. So as I say, that you know, removing wages from the wage bill is helpful for leads in an FFP sense. But nobody can look at the squad as it is now and say that it hasn't been cut back to the bone. And you can't pretend either that for all the talk of retentions, that there are actually that many that many players or, or key assets who, who really wanted to stay. One of the big questions, Phil, what happens next year? If this is a two-year thing, you know, we know that Leeds have been on the hook for about 50 million quids worth of transfer fees um, outgoing this summer. Apparently, it's the same sort of story we're looking at next year. What if all these players can just waltz off on loan again? for another year and we're in exactly the same situation what do we do then do we just complain sit on our hands and say oh well it's the same as last year there's nothing we can do well I don't think it'll be the same next summer because the relegation release clauses I don't believe will, will apply next summer but of course that doesn't get you away from the scenario where you don't want to sell players at a loss ideally because it affects your your PNS position and, and the amount of headroom that you have to um, to work in in the market it's the reality of football, isn't it? If you get relegated, very often you get relegated with a with a poor squad on the basis that they've underperformed. The season before last, Leeds would have gone down with Calvin Phillips and Rafinha. They would have been two big assets, although my understanding was that they had relegation clauses in their contracts. I don't think loan-related. I think it was for, for reduced fees. But in, in the end, the, the squad that has come down, um, that, that Leeds have, there are players in it that they can raise money from. But it's been tough for them to 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 dig out significant transfer cash. And you're right, you know, it's not an easy situation to turn around. And the clubs who tend to fare best in the championship are usually when they get relegated, are usually those that are able to keep some sort of framework of a, you know, a pretty solid, strong side. At least Rafinha was professional enough to do his job and drag us over the line, even if it meant it hindered his well, the ease of his move to Barcelona, because they had to pay us more money than they would have got him for. Um, under a release right. clause but when you contrast with with Nonto who's down tools and as per your article on The Athletic Phil decided not to travel just as they were boarding the bus I mean what sort of behaviour is that? Well I think as well with Rafinha I guess you could criticise the fact that the Barcelona move seemed to be getting telegraphed from about February onwards but he was very very transparent when it came to wanting to go and also the fact that he wanted it to be Barcelona that he was going to join and We've got an article in The Athletic about the complexity of that negotiation, and it was wildly complicated because of Barcelona's situation. But even though Chelsea were in the mix and, and trying to sign him in Arsenal, I'd had a look and everything else. Rafinha was you know, very, 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 very clear in saying it, it has to be Barcelona. And likewise, you know, Calvin Phillips, when push came to shove and, and Manchester City got involved there, there wasn't really any um or eyeing. It was a case of, look, this is a move I, I really want to take. Whereas it seems to me that, you know, right the way through the summer, how many times have you asked me, is Tyler Adams going to stay or does he want to stay? And I've sort of said to you, I'm not entirely sure. You know, I'm really, really not certain. I couldn't say one way or the other. And even if there is a feeling in the background um, at Ellen Road that, oh, do you know, we, we could convince him, you know, what happens when you actually get to the push comes to shove stage, when decisions have got to be made, when clubs like Chelsea last week were, you know, were in for him, looking at him, getting him in for, for a medical 
what do players do? Quite often they do say, actually, do you know what? I want that move and I'm going to go. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. And the, um, the lack of ability to sell players this summer is a damning indictment on Victor Orta's recruitment, isn't it? It's a damning indictment. The fact that they just cannot get any value out of the players that we've spent tens of millions, in fact, hundreds of millions on since we've come back up. It's not even just that. It's, it's the, the performances and the results last season. Equally so, you know, damning indictment of the attempt to build a sustainable and credible Premier League team. Ninth in the first season, scraped relegation. I still think very lucky to scrape um, scrape away from relegation second season and then went down in the third. It, it was like ever decreasing circles. And that that is what leaves them now in a situation where, I mean, I've just been, been writing about this, but saying it's almost, not quite, but it's almost at the point where the one player who actually looks like staying at this stage is... Melier, the keeper that they absolutely planned to sell and to to make make money on, it just hasn't gone. It hasn't gone to plan to this point. And I still, you know, I still maintain this: the the verdict on the squad can only come when, we, like, in in its entirety, can only come when we see what's actually been done by the time the deadline passes. But two weeks to go, and that's a you know, and a little bit more. But that's a really short period of time in which to do a lot of business. I mean, we always drop the O-bomb in here, don't we? And talk about optics, my favourite word. Yeah, my favourite word from succession. Uh, but the optics on this is a Leeds United team that was put out at the weekend that's the weakest in years. A completely toothless attacking performance just the second week of the season. I mean, I, I even joked to you over the weekend, half joked to you, that it's only taken a week to completely evaporate all my anticipation and excitement. When, you know, going into that Cardiff game, I was looking forward to seeing us getting into something new something exciting, even you know, even if it's a, a level below where we want to be. It's something to, to try and get behind again. And there's, But there's still nothing to get behind, is there? Because there's very little in the way of incoming. We've seen a couple that have come in, but it's this constant drip, drip, drip of players going out that's just completely damaging the morale of the fans and, and their trust in the club. And even the new ownership <laughs> is now starting to look 
fairly weak, whether it's their fault or not, I'm sure they would debate the merits of that. It, it doesn't look good, does it, in the eyes of the fans? It looks pretty terrible. Well, fortunately, your reserves of optimism are endless, so you you will be back. But no, and I, I know I know what you mean. It's it, I go back to Farker's first press conference, um, and we we were at Ellen Road as he was saying his paperwork, and then met him afterwards just to to chat over the the appointment. And we were all very aware at the time that, firstly, the takeover had been. You know, I, I don't know whether you could call the takeover slow because these things are a process, but it had been done at a late stage. You know, it had been done after the season had finished. It had taken then some time to to go through. It had eaten up a fair amount of the summer, and likewise with Farker himself, he was he was you know appointed on the Tuesday afternoon with the first actual to preseason started by that point, but the first actual training session was was due to take place the following morning. So coming through the door as it was starting, you know, not with any, and I know he'd have, he'd have planned in advance while he knew that the job was a possibility for him, but, you know, with no real, no real runway to use before he was, he was having to get straight into it. And we could see that there might be issues with players. We're still not clear on who was going to be retained, who was going to leave, you know, what they were going to be able to do in the market. And he said quite openly, and I did think that he was doing this deliberately, you know, he said it might be, I think the word he used was bumpy for the start. Um, you know, it might be tricky to begin with. And you almost feel that actually, not deliberately, but he's he's almost underplayed it slightly. It is really, really tough for him at the moment. And I think the biggest frustration will be that while he didn't expect it to catch light immediately, he, he wouldn't want in any way to start start off with a bad month. You know, he'd want there to be a bit of impetus. He'd want there to be a bit of momentum. And suddenly, you know, the games coming up don't look particularly easy for Leeds. West Brom and then, you know, Ipswich have started well as well. It's, you know, it's it's gonna it's gonna test everybody the remainder of this month. But I think in the case of Farker, it's impossible not to sit and listen to him, hear what he's saying, agree with what's a lot of what's being said, to to sympathize with the position he's in. And I don't know about you, I'm finding it incredibly to an, difficult to actually analyze his football in a in a fair way at the moment because I wouldn't even begin to pretend that that 11 on Saturday is what he wants to have out on the pitch. Yeah, not at all. No, no. That's one thing I will say. It does feel like absolutely nobody is directing any of the, any of the negative attention on this to him, on, onto his shoulders. Not at all, no. How, how could you? Mm. I mean, it's, you know, the, the, there, are, there are situations in which you can judge a, a coach fairly and they usually depend on, you know, the players who've been signed, the squad they have, what you'd realistically expect of it. But I in this situation, there is an absolute limit to what you can ask of them. Come on then, Phil, give us some good news. Then when, when does this start to settle down? And when does the tide start to turn? When do we get some incoming, some good news? Taking none to out of the equation, because I think that is going to have to be dealt with in a totally different manner to others like Adams and Harrison, for example. There is no release clause. He'll be, our understanding is that he was going to train on his own now. And Farker, without naming him specifically, was brutally honest I thought and sadly in saying you know if, if I have this where somebody doesn't want to play for us then he just won't train with us he won't be in our dressing room he'll, he'll be off on his own so that's the scenario there which means at least have to make this decision about what they do with him do they do they say to him this is what you can go for find yourself a club and if they pay that money you can leave or do they actually make him stick around I don't know try and find a way to resolve this in a way that, that lets him come back into the team although I don't think he'll have been deaf to what was going on at St Andrews on Saturday, particularly with the the away end. Um, there was a lot of um, a lot of anger towards him there, but I do feel that we are going to have to get ready for more potential exits before we see incomings because it does feel as if there's a lot going on with Adams. It does feel as if there's a lot going on with Sinistera. After that, 
there surely has to be an influx. There just has to be. And and I think Farker will be making that point himself that, you know, the, the kind of time for waiting and, you know, being strategic or whatever else is is almost gone now. It's It's got to be business. Surely not. Surely this can't be a strategy to allow the squad to become so threadbare. Surely they need to be more proactive with this because if there's going to be more outgoings, and yes, we're talking on Monday lunchtime when there's news of Sinistera potentially going back to Feyenoord on loan, things like that. It's it's just, it looks terrible. It looks really, well, really terrible. I think as, as Rodon and Aaron's um, proved last week, and I, and I accept that Aaron's didn't come in, it's not that they're not working on tran- uh, incoming transfers in the background, but they cannot get away from the pressure that's been put on them by the ability of players to go. You know, so Everton triggered release clause for Jack Harrison and that deal just has to be done. You know, that deal has has to be processed and that's how it feels with Adams as well. It does, it, you do get the sense that he's decided that he, he does want to get himself back into the Premier League and doesn't want to stay here. Like you say with Sinistera, there's talk of a fire nod this morning, which I think for him would, would probably make sense. Uh, it seems like the, the sort of move he expected to, to come his way. Uh, but August the 14th, time is ticking rapidly. And as I say, every time we speak to Farker, he makes the point, you know, I don't want to be speaking about outgoings. We, we can't be, you know, focusing on that. But unfortunately, if you have, you know, release clauses that mean that you have to address it, then there's nothing you can do. I mean, if Sinistera does go back to Feyenoord on loan, is there a greater symbol of the failure of Leeds United to, to do this correctly than us shelling out 20-odd million quid on a player gain what a dozen games out of him last season or something like that and then him going back there on loan I mean I, I tweeted this morning from the square ball account again only half joking like we might as well register as a charity at this point because we're just giving everybody everything yeah and again there is a good footballer Sinistera and this is this is what's so odd about the whole situation is that on mass you're not talking about every player being hopeless or having no value or having no talent I always felt that the the issue at Leeds was that for all that individually players might have attributes and skills and and you know worthwhile things about them that made them you know made them worth spending money on it was never built into a team it was never built into a cohesive squad or a cohesive team that that was going to produce enough in in the way of results and what's happening now is that the players who are going it's not as if you're saying well they were they were useless or they were hopeless Sinistera has a lot of talent you can see it in him but again falls into the category of people who evidently don't see themselves as championship footballers. And, you know, to, just to touch on the release clauses, again, if Arca was saying last week, you know, in future, Leeds should never compromise themselves in that way and pretty much said nobody who wants a release clause should be joining this club. It, it's a really commendable stance and it's an admirable stance, but you have to accept that players have an enormous amount of power in football and by taking that stance, you will reduce the number of players that you can you can call and that you can approach because there are plenty who would just not get into that discussion if they didn't have provisions which were protecting them. It's kind of sad but true. And the gist of my piece over the weekend was that you, you look for romance all the time in football. You really do. And you do find it from time to time between players and clubs, coaches and clubs and everything else. But so many people in the game are just passing through. And when it comes to who cares about your club, basically you do. That's the worst bit of this from a fan's point of view, isn't it? It's sucking up that we're basically dealing with a bunch of mercenaries who, who don't care and you kind of kid yourself into thinking that they do, particularly when they caught the attention of the crowd on the pitch. But really, they don't, do they? Well, you must have seen the quote from Verba when he joined for um, joined Gladbach where he was talking about being a fighter on the pitch and, and this, that and the other, talking about his own, um, his own qualities. And Matthias Cleek, 
as he's becoming more and more prone to do, just replied with a laughing emoji. And I think that says it all, you know, and I think the players who are going, you know, while they can say, look, they have to look after themselves and they have to look after their own interests. And I totally get that. And to a degree, you have to accept it. I think they have to accept too that the reputation around here is not going to be great. And, you know, there will not be that many going with the best wishes of people because look at last season. Do you think the fan response to this has been proportionate? Because you know fans always go in at the deep end when it comes to football because it's an it's an emo- it's an emotional emotive sport for us, isn't it? We've got a a very kind of deep seated relationship with our football clubs, even if the um, the idiots who are employed by them uh, are uh, are not perhaps as attached to the uh, to the organisation as we are. Is the response fair and proportionate? Do you think? I feel like it is actually. Yeah, I mean it. It's not unusual for kind of fan sentiment to get out of hand in transfer windows and, and sometimes in ways that doesn't necessarily acknowledge the reality of of how complicated or difficult they can be. But I think if you're asking people to sit and say, well, this is a good situation and this is ideal. And yeah, the fact that we don't really have any control over what these players can do is um is a good thing, then you're wrong. You know, that's I, I don't see it in that way at all. I think they are in a situation now where they're under a lot of pressure recruitment wise and they are going to have to have two two and a half very good weeks just to be competitive I feel and yeah there are injuries and yeah there will be players coming back and if if the squad was fully fit it wouldn't have looked like it did on Saturday but again if you've been around Leeds for two years you know better than to get tied up in the idea of when everybody's fully fit the squad will be fine because the squad is never fully fit ever just to return to a point you made a couple of minutes ago there Phil actually in terms of players always wanting the insurance policy the safety net of some sort of get out if there's a if there's a relegation happens there are ways to do it though aren't there like you don't have to give them all a loan clause where they can all just piss off for free basically for a year and go and enjoy themselves you do it with a transfer fee and you secure the club's future as well so you know there's there's nuance attached to all this isn't there there's there's ways to do it you don't you don't have to just bow to their every demand and it feels like we've just bowed to their every demand and not looked ahead there's been no forward planning to the consequences of it which is a you know a point I raised earlier so possibly doesn't need labouring but but also I, I suppose to, to look at it slightly from their point of view and, and you know as you were saying nuance if you're saying to a player you get relegated you have a 60% wage reduction and we'll leave we'll set aside the argument of whether players should just accept that anyway on the basis that the season's been a failure and they've they've been part of it and there are many people who think that that should be the case but if you're saying to them you take a 60% wage reduction, you can leave, but in order for you to leave, somebody's going to have to bid £25 million, say, just for an arbitrary figure. The player's reaction might be, but if nobody bids £25 million for me, then I don't have the, you know, I don't have any route out. So the exit clause is effectively redundant. Whereas it's not great, but if you have an exit clause that says if somebody bids for you on loan, you can go provided they cover your wages. It's a virtual guarantee, isn't it, that you will at least have options out there. It's, um, it's symptomatic of the fact that football is generally just weird and a bit of a mess. And quite a lot of what gets agreed is baffling to us laymen and us ordinary people um, in the street. But it's not it's not great. It's not mm. a good situation at all. Yeah, but with the greatest respect to the football, there's bollocks to them, Phil. And, and, and you're totally entitled to say that, yeah. On which charming note, we'll wrap it up then, I think, for... Uh... <laughs> for today let's hope we get together towards the back end of the week with some uh, some positive news not quite sure when we're going to be recording because we'll sort of try and go after the press conference we think but we'll get that one out in time for Friday ahead of the game yes yeah we'd be good well um, strap in and we'll uh, we'll see what the rest of the week brings eh yeah like you say let's, let's hope for some good news
We'll see you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.